brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeO.com NFL Strategy Show. Thursday Night Football Edition. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, Matt Kajeski breaking down, well, what is an ugly, injury-riddled Thursday night football game. But sometimes those make the best ones. Denver Broncos, New York Jets remind you of anything? Well, we've got another one, and it may just top that among two quote-unquote contenders in the NFC East. Combined two wins, one tie. What a game it's going to be, Matt. We're here to talk about all of it. Glad to have all of you guys with us as always. Subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Hit that notification bell and hit that like button if you're just walking in the door, which everyone is because the show just started. Giants, Eagles, tons of injuries. Zach Ertz just landing or not on the IR, probably will out for four to six weeks. Miles Sanders sideline, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey not returning. Malik Jackson is out. The offensive line is hammered. And that's just scratching the surface of this one, Matt. Yeah, my goodness, man. So the Philadelphia Eagles are just like the land of opportunity for skill players like Boston Scott, six-round pick. Corey Clement, undrafted free agent. Travis Fulgham, six-rounder. Quez Watkins, John Hightower, all six-round picks or later. Like, I mean, if you're an undrafted free agent, I think you just go to Philly or Miami at this point. And a lot of people might not like this. I'm super excited. Watched a lot of these guys in college, and I think it's going to make for an interesting single-game slate. Me too. And I think that Travis Fogum is the real deal, as I've said many times. Uh, I, well, we'll get into all of this. As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't want to dive into anything yet. I don't want to jump the gun here because there is, believe it or not, a lot to talk about. As a matter of fact, with these type of games where you're dealing with, with such a laundry list of injuries, it actually, you know, adds to the, to the, uh, it, it adds to the appeal because you have so much more to digest and there are so many different ways to attack games like this, you know, whereas on a game with a bunch of studs on both sides, two very good, healthy teams, 
you know, you could run out like a $200 cheap guy that might see one target and needs to break off a 50-yard touchdown. But generally speaking, those are the type of games where you're not really winning showdowns by throwing you know, a, a cheaper, lesser-known guy into the captain spot. So we've got the Eagles still laying four and a half points at home, Matt. Now, they're allowing minimum capacity or small capacity of fans into attendance, Um 7,500 people, but that includes the people working, you know, the concourse that includes personnel. So really it's probably like 6,000 or something like that. It still looks very empty, but I don't know. Maybe there's some tiny minuscule impact there. 45 point total. It opened at four, five and a half points towards the Eagles, but yeah, they're, they're still favored. And that says a lot about this giants team too. I'd say it's more an indictment on them than a, um, than than praise to the Eagles. Yeah, I agree 100%. And we talk about the injuries on the Philadelphia side. New York is a fairly healthy team, and they're still getting this, I don't know, it's like a little backhanded slap here from the Philadelphia Eagles coming in as near touchdown favorites in this spot. I mean, New York hasn't been able to run block whatsoever. Even when Saquon was back there, they were one of the worst units. Pass blocking, not much better. You look at the signal caller, Daniel Jones, He's 26th or worse in completion percentage, yards per attempt, basically all the main quarterback stats you look at. I mean, Wentz hasn't been good either, but I mean, Daniel Jones with healthy bodies relatively around him, not ideal. No, and by the way, I guess I said Deshaun Jackson was out. Uh, My mistake. I meant to say Malik Jackson. I think I actually said that twice. But uh, yeah, Deshaun Jackson in, Alshon Jeffrey out, Zach Ertz sidelined for four to six weeks, Miles Sanders out as well. Listen, it's hard to keep track of all this. I, I think I even forgot to mention Dallas Goddard, who isn't even practicing yet, Matt. So uh, they're down a lot. Uh, the, the offensive line has been another area of struggle for them. But before we get to the Eagles, the home team, uh, let's start it off with the New York Giants on the opposite side of this game, getting four and a half points again, 45 point total. They, they lost, you know, two very important players to start the season namely Saquon Barkley. They're running with guys like Devontae Freeman, who, believe it or not, despite all the injuries to the Giants, the Eagles still have a pretty formidable uh, front front seven. They have a pretty good run defense that we've seen shut down a lot of decent running attacks. Freeman is someone we can start with here. While he has not been particularly efficient, he has gotten the usage, right? He, He now has... 35 attempts over his last two games against Dallas and Washington, both of them competitive decided by three or fewer points. Um, He has five combined targets over those games, nine combined targets over his last three. So they've clearly at least accepted the fact that while their run game stinks, the offensive line can't run block and Daniel Jones isn't scaring anybody into opposing teams selling out to stop uh, the pass. Devontae Freeman is at least expected to get the lion's share of carries in this New York Giants backfield yeah and it's interesting because they seem to be willing to give him 17 18 carries specifically regardless of game script they're down a couple touchdowns Devontae Freeman's still going to get 17 to 18 carries I think you could have a little bit of confidence in that as well he's not really getting worked out of the backfield as a pass catcher much they're using Dion a little bit there Devontae Freeman ran a route on 52 percent of New York's dropbacks last week where Dion was out there for 29%, but Freeman 88% of run plays handled most of the running back work there. And I think he'll continue to do so at his price on DraftKings, which I think is 
semi-reasonable. You know, he's cheaper than Daniel Jones. He's cheaper than Darius Slayton. I think that's some moderate volume you can just lock in with Freeman. It is, and and that's really what it comes down to. I, I don't necessarily think there's there's anything really redeeming about this spot for Devonta Freeman uh, outside of the fact that you can't really rely on this game to get out of hand. Now, I talked to somebody on Twitter yesterday about projecting game script. TJ Hernandez is uh, a buddy of mine. I've known him going back years in this industry, and he mentioned a tweet about, you know, for people that don't think game script is important, there are 3,300 yard rushing games this season and 24 of those teams have won. Uh, and I don't think you or I or, or anyone would ever argue that game script isn't important, but more so that there have been uh, a lot of games this season where predicting game script, pr- accurately projecting the game script uh, has been really, really hard to do. And I think you could probably go back to any season and make a similar case for that. But there's no doubt that there have been many spots this year, especially in this NFC East, where things have gotten insanely out of control. So I'm just going to approach this game as if it'll be relatively competitive, Matt, and not try. Now you can run the, you could try and piece together different stories. Like in a showdown slate, if you think this game blows out, what happens? Uh, If you, if you think it stays close, what happens? If you think the Eagles go up by a lot, if you think the Giants go up by a lot, but um there have been times where you say, well, there's no way the Giants go up by this many points, right? Or there's no way this terrible team takes such a big lead, and it has happened. So it's important to at least on a show like this with only one game cover all the bases. For sure. And, I mean, if you're playing one lineup and you take the approach, New York gets up by a lot in this game, Devontae Freeman's going to be my captain. He's going to get all the work when they're playing from ahead. You're going to be wrong sometimes. You'll also be right occasionally, too. And when you take that stance and – if Devontae Freeman comes in with low captain ownership, which he's moderate, you'll pay off from that. You just have to know you'll be wrong part of the time. And it goes with any of these game script projections. Same thing on the other side. If you think him and Philly's going to be playing from behind, that's going to be wrong sometimes. So I think the unique lineup, a good but unique lineup is still really important. Yeah, it really is. Now, one thing, Marcus Terry, thank you for the super chat, brother. He says if Philly's run game is Philadelphia's run game relevant tonight? And if so, is anyone other than Boston Scott C-Raps? We will get to that. Don't worry. But we've got to cover the New York Giants first. Again, thanks, Marcus, for the super chat. The the backfield, outside of the backfield in New York, you've got an incredibly stagnant passing game, right? There's just, there's really, there, there's really nothing that stands out on this offense that gets you feeling good about their prospects tonight or really any night. Now, Eagles secondary has shown problems. There's no question about that. Um, They struggle with speed guys. We've seen that time and time again, but unlike last year, they do at least have Darius Slay um, who you look at his, you look at his grade on, on PFF. He really hasn't, he hasn't stood out as a stud, but there's no question that he's not a guy. He's, he's a huge upgrade from everyone we had last year. Right. And you're, and, and I'm expecting to see, um, Daniel Jones look away from him today. And if that happens to be the case, this is where I'll go to you, Matt. If that happens to be the case, um, do, does that make any difference to you or not? Because I, it's a weird spot where Darius Slay has shadowed a lot of players this year. Like Marcus Brown last week really got no work whatsoever. But I don't see this being a spot where Darius Slay is in a shadow coverage situation, unless you do. 
I don't think he will be. I'm not sure who you would want to shadow him with because we get Sterling Shepard back tonight or supposedly he's going to test the toe out pregame and see how it does. It seems like they're pretty confident he'll play. So am I. Who do you think is the number one between him and Darius Slayton? Because I don't have a strong lean there. I don't either. I, I think I think Daniel Jones would say it's it's there it's Slayton. Maybe not, but it, hasn't it felt that way this season that even even before Sterling Sterling Shepard went down with the injury, Slayton was the most heavily targeted player on this team. And from an overall market share of targets, from an overall volume standpoint, Slayton's been the guy that has been. Uh, favored most by by Daniel Jones almost every single week. Now, that isn't to say that he's had big games every week, but the big receiving games in New York have almost exclusively come from Darius Slayton. Has there been another big receiving game outside of the two that Darius Slayton's had this year in week one against Pittsburgh and week five against Dallas? Maybe there is, and I can't think of it. No, you're on it. There absolutely has not been. So you're 100% correct. With Slayton, I think, you know, we have one game essentially where he out-targeted Sterling Shepard, and it was 9-6. to six. After that, Sterling Shepard got hurt in the second game, so it's not like we're dealing with a large sample there. I'm a little concerned that Darius Slayton's target share is only 23%. Like, for an alpha receiver, normally you'd like that to be a little higher, and they've been in a good game script consistently. He has just one game above 10 targets. So I, I think he's probably the preferred option considering price though, I think Sterling Shepard could be a value because I just don't know if the target share between the two is going to be that much of a gap to warrant the price difference. Sure. Yeah. Look, that that's a reasonable explanation there. But when you, when you start looking at the the target shares for other players on this team, like Ingram's at, Ingram's at 19% and he has the second highest target share on the team. Of course, Sterling Shepard has only played two of six possible games. Golden Tate's at 12.7%. I mean, when, when, when you're talking about Evan Ingram, he's been one of the most disappointing players, not just on the Giants, but in the league this season from a fantasy standpoint, right? He's eclipsed the 35 yards once on the season, went for 65 scoreless against Chicago in week two. Aside from that, you have not had any big performances from him. He is still yet to find the end zone. Um, and look, 30 yards, 16 yards, 35 yards, 22, 65, nine. You don't want to just go every off of everything from, from game logs, Matt, but Evan Ingram's game log is startlingly bad. It absolutely is. And you know what his average depth of target is? It's, it's very low. It's 4.9. So like the targets are there from Evan Ingram, at least from a, you know, an, they haven't been in recent weeks, but this is a guy who's the second most targeted receiver on the team. His average depth of target at 4.9, they're not using one of the most athletic tight ends in the entire league downfield whatsoever. So when he does catch balls, it's these little dink and dunk stuff, and there's almost no upside with that role in this offense. Yeah, last year, Evan Ingram's uh, dot was, I think, north of six or around six. Uh, so here's my <laughs> thing, though, Matt. Then what do we do with the passing game? What do we do I, with the passing game for the New York Giants? Yeah, I think going to Sterling Shepard can make some sense. He's not going to be targeted downfield like Darius Slayton, but he is used more in their intermediate routes. Like Evan Ingram, his average depth of target is only one yard better than Saquon Barkley, who plays running back. Like that's that's absolutely egregious. I don't know what Jason Garrett is doing using Evan Ingram. He's playing like, you know, Jason Witten of old, and he's absolutely not like that. 
I think you can go to Slayton if you want to pay up for somebody, but Sterling Shepard sits in that nice price range. And I think he'll play a decent role with this team as long as he's active tonight. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at our chat and where are you fella? 720 Red Dog said, the Eagles have allowed a historically bad 84.1% completion rate to tight ends through six games. They've allowed the fourth most fantasy points to the position. Yes, they have. Now, keep in mind, one of those – These. this is all because of two games. So I'm not saying they have – it's all because of two games, and it's mostly because of the George Kittle game. I just want to put this in context a little bit, Matt. And this isn't to say that this is a bad spot for Ingram, and I do like Ingram today. But it was the Tyler Higby game, the three-touchdown Tyler Higby game, uh, and then the George Kittle game where he caught like 15 of 15 passes for, you know, what was it, 160 yards or something absurd and a touchdown. I just try to, to look at that. I try and zoom out and look at everything when you're talking about six weeks through the season, how a team performs against a certain position because George Kittle – is, in my opinion, the best tight end in the league, offensive tight end in the league. He ate them alive, and then Tyler Higby had that somewhat fluky three-touchdown game against them. So I don't think they're good against tight ends. I think their linebacking core uh, is terrible. Nathan Gary is awful, so I get it. But I do think there are two spots that really jump out as to why this has happened, and those are two of of the more talented tight ends in the league where Evan Ingram is – but Daniel Jones' ability to get him the ball has declined every single week since the start of the year. Man, you don't like Nathan Gary at all, huh? Remember oh, he, his stink. he stinks. <laughs> He's so bad. He's so bad. I know it sucks. I liked him when he was in Nebraska, but I, I do agree with you. I think you can't just, you know, like cherry pick your matchups for the Eagles tight ends, though. You know, like they, they played Mark Andrews last week and he didn't have like an absolutely blow up game. He was fine in that spot, but... I mean, we're just talking about four I think catches. Nick Boyle did score, by the way, for what it's worth. Nick Boyle did score. He went three for 33 and a touchdown. Mark Andrews, two for 21. But like you said, I don't put a lot of stock into the, unless it's just like absolutely egregious. And I don't think six games through the year, we can make this argument that Philadelphia's defense is, you know, like significantly worse than a middle of the pack defense against the tight end. And I think if you're making your decisions in your lineup, with that information rather than raw target volume and overall offensive efficiency that it's bad process. Right. Yeah. And thus far, Evan Ingram has faced some, some pretty rough It faced Washington whose secondary and tight end coverage really hasn't been that bad, but Dallas, uh, there've been a few spots that he's just been completely unable uh, and capable of doing anything, but Chicago, Pittsburgh, San Francisco Rams, those are all tough matchups. So I'm willing to give him a break. Uh, if, if I'm looking towards anyone here, it doesn't really matter as much as Sterling Shepard returns. You've got Evan Ingram, who, again, is still one of the more talented tight ends in the league. But the dot, as you pointed out, is really concerning. Uh, he's going to have to pretty much do everything after the catch unless they decide to change something tonight. So before we move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, I'll just leave you with this. Or Matt, you leave the, the viewers with this. What specifically do you like from the Giants? What are you willing to do with the Giants, maybe begrudgingly? uh, And what are you pretty much avoiding? With the Giants, I do like some of the cheaper guys, not just completely punt plays, but I think you can get some leverage with a guy like Devontae Freeman, who quietly has solid volume. We talked about the efficiency. He's probably not going to be there. 
But if he falls in the end zone, that's going to be good at his price. Sterling Shepard, I think, is someone you can buy low on. If we just compare pricing, like he's 600 more if you captain Sterling Shepard versus Golden Tate. And Golden Tate, he only played on 63% of snaps, ran a route on 52% of dropbacks. That was less than undrafted free agent Austin Mack. Like, did, I didn't see Golden Tate suffer an injury. Why was Austin Mack playing more than Golden Tate? <laughs> So I don't have that answer. And I think you can just go like, don't consider Tate. Don't consider Mac unless you're playing these huge, massive GPPs. Look to Shepard, Slayton and Freeman. And then of course you can obviously play Daniel Jones. I would prefer him in the utility slot, but I like him a bit just because he is decent rushing upside. Okay. So the last, the last question here is how much interest do you have in Daniel Jones? A moderate amount, probably not in the captain slot, just because of the way this the scoring structure works with the bonuses on DraftKings. If you're captaining them, you're probably not winning the lineup. If you do, you're probably chopping with a lot of other people. Is it all coming down to the rushing upside, though? As as you mentioned, like is that what it is? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like, like that, that's what that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. Okay, for sure. Yeah, you're absolutely on it. Okay, uh, and you're right. There there is for ample amount of upside there on a guy whose passing abilities have been just absolutely terrible this season. He's failed to eclipse 200 yards in three of his last four games. So, um, yeah, I didn't mean to repeat a question that I just asked you, but more so along the lines of is the interest specifically based on how his how he can use his feet and hopefully he can complement it with, <laughs> with what he does through the air. Um, I don't know. A good game from Daniel Jones, if you got – if, if you got like 200 yards passing and a passing touchdown and then 50 and a rushing touchdown, you'd be ecstatic from Daniel Jones tonight. I have a question for you about just overall roster construction on these low scoring games. Are you willing to fade both quarterbacks in a situation like this where, I mean, the total's 45. If it goes under, there's a strong chance, especially with some bad passers like Jones and Wentz, maybe not a strong chance, but there's a chance that neither of them end up in the optimal lineup. You know, if, Darius Slayton has 100 yards and Daniel Jones throws for 185. Like, I don't think it's a lock Daniel Jones ends up in the optimal. If you're doing that, then if I'm doing that, then I'm probably playing both defenses or at least one in all of those lineups because I I don't really have a ton of confidence in either team's rushing attack. Um, it, It... if, if you decide to fade both quarterbacks, which I'm really not too interested in doing, then, yeah, especially not in 2020s, 2020 football. Again, I, I use this a lot, but it's kind of that battle of the bad, right? You've got two bad offenses, and you've got two defenses that aren't that great either. Um, I think ultimately one of them has to win out. The, the Eagles have been decimated over the past couple of weeks. Very good teams that they faced, for sure, uh, but – the Giants allowed only 19 to Washington, but you can't really take much away from that. Uh, and then, and then the Cowboys dropped 30 on them without Dak Prescott for for a stretch of that game. I'm not really worried that that they can get the ball going. And and no, I, I don't really have much interest in getting away from both quarterbacks here. What about you? I it would be very contrarian, and that's the only reason I would consider it. It's certainly not going to project well from a median projection standpoint I think if that happens you need an extremely low scoring game and you need someone else obviously to outscore them defenses would be good candidates in that case you probably have Freeman and Boston Scott maybe even Corey Clement having decent games there too so I don't think it's likely but just for the sake of being contrarian in a low scoring game thought I'd throw it out there I'll be honest with you I think the Eagles route the Giants and 
I am a very, very pessimistic person. <laughs> I, I, I think, I, I think this ends up being a route, Matt. I, I, I honestly do. Uh, could be entirely wrong. It's all going to depend on the Eagles' pass rush. That's what it comes down to. Can they get to the quarterback? Uh, can they give? Can they give him a hard time? And outside of that one Lamar Jackson run last week where he went for a score, and of course you can't just take that out of the equation altogether, they did a very good job of containing him behind the line of scrimmage uh, and, and limiting his ability to run. If they do that with Daniel Jones, not to say he's Lamar Jackson, of course, and force him to throw and force them to go to Devontae Freeman, I think you could see this offense stall out for, you know, three-plus quarters. So it's – uh. It's 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 not an Eagles team I have an abundance of faith in at all. There's there's no denying that they're dealing with myriad injuries across the offense and and a decent amount to the defense. But uh, I, I honestly, and this is going to sound crazy to you, I'm sure, especially given all the shit I've talked on Carson Wentz this season. But I I think the difference is at quarterback, and what I've seen from Wentz over the last two weeks. Now, the first first quarter of last week's game was really bad. But what I've seen from Wentz in the second half of that game, he can't put four quarters together. But against two very good defenses, the Philadelphia Eagles put up, what, 29 and 28 points. Uh, they started to move the ball well, and he started finally looking like some version of his former self. I think it comes down to that. And Daniel Jones hasn't really shown any redeeming qualities at all this season. Yeah, I don't think Carson Wentz is bad. And I think part of it is, you know, he has four missing starting offensive linemen. He is all, well, at this point, he's getting he's been sacked more than any quarterback in the league. Right. And he hasn't had any of his starting pass catchers. He's had Ertz, who's now gone. Goddard, gone. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't played yet this year. Deshaun Jackson, out after three games. Lost Rager immediately when he got back from his first injury. They find Travis Fulgham, who's fantastic, and that's helped him, but he's largely been dependent on former... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AAF superstar Greg Ward to get it done, which he just can't do. So I, I don't even think it's an indictment on Wentz. Like, what do you want Wentz to do in a situation like this? If we can start getting some playmakers, Deshaun Jackson's back. The offensive line is still in shambles. But maybe Fulgham, Jackson, it can make a difference against this New York team. I want to highlight one matchup you talked about really quick. I think it might be the biggest matchup in the entire game in favor of Philly. It's their pass rush, which if you just look at, you know, like some pressure rate statistics, even PFF grades, their third and overall pass rush grade. Conversely, the New York Giants have not been able to pass block whatsoever. They're dead last, according to Pro Football Focus, in pass blocking. 
Daniel Jones has been sacked a lot himself. He mitigates some of that with his ability to scramble, but I think he'll be in duress a lot. So do I. Matt, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's going to be where this game is decided. And that's also one of the reasons, before I forget, because sometimes you and I will forget to talk about like the, the, the kicker or defense position. Because, look, to be fair, there's so much variance there that you're hoping, if you don't get a defensive score, it doesn't matter anyway, right? This could be one of those games where the Eagles get a strip sack and a scoop and score. Like that, it feels like that kind of spot. And, you know, Wentz has made a lot of mistakes too. I'll tell you, here's, here's something that, that, that might sound wild, but I've seen it win things before. I, hell, I've seen it. I, I saw a guy, for those of you that have watched uh, these shows for a while, Laz Gets Fit. Laz Gets Fit on a main slate won about $350,000 this one week, and he had two receivers against his defense and just absolutely crushed it. Not an advisable strategy for most, but do I have a problem with, like, could I see, could I see Carson Wentz throwing a pick six and then throwing three touchdowns? Yeah, I could. I, I could see both of these teams put up some, put up some points uh, and also make some heinous def- or offensive blunders, turnovers uh, that go the other way for a touchdown. So it's something to keep in mind. This is one of those games that could get really ugly. And if that's the case, you could still see scoring and you could see defensive scoring. For sure. And you talked about the main slate. If we bring this to a single game slate, like we've seen some crazy stuff happen on showdowns. I remember one lineup in particular. I can't remember the exact game. Someone played a five, one stack. The solo player for the one team was a running back in the captain slot against him, played as the other team's defense and four other ancillary players. Like crazy stuff happens on showdowns. <laughs> it happens. And a lot of it has to do with what you mentioned, a defensive touchdown here. Like uh, an opposing offense could have a great game, but the defense or even the special teams racks up a touchdown. That automatically gets you in the in a low-scoring game like this. It's probably in the optimal lineup. So I think these things are worth considering, especially with the mismatches on the Philly side. Like they're going to generate a ton of pressure and create turnover opportunities. Uh Antoine Murphy says Fogtron, captain spot. You know, I was trying to think of a good nickname for him the other day. Fogtron made me laugh, but it's an awful nickname. I'm pretty sure his nickname is Full Yard. Yeah, they... <laughs> like, that's his own nickname. I remember from his old Dominion days. That's pretty bad, though, too. His name is Travis Full Yard Fulgum. You know, I have an issue. Now, first of all, I don't know who... Did he nickname himself? Because this is a big thing. You can't nickname yourself. Hassan Whiteside tried to nickname himself Agent Block. Not great. Uh, we, we've seen we've seen a lot of instances of this that it, it gets ugly quick and you just kind of scratch your head wondering why you would even bother. Uh, who is, oh my God, how am I forgetting this? The, uh, the baseball player from the Brewers, Scooter, Scooter. Jeanette? Scooter Jeanette. Scooter Jeanette nicknamed himself. Just one day told his mom he wanted to be called Scooter when he was a kid. That doesn't work for me, Matt. But we 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 do have to think of something for for Travis Fogum because the kid's good. Like he's legitimately, in my opinion, going to be good. Uh, and we've seen over the past couple of weeks in some pretty tough spots, mind you. This came against the Steelers and against the Baltimore Ravens, where he had now he now has 16 receptions 
for uh, 227 yards and two touchdowns over his last two games. He scored in all three games he's played this season and has double-digit targets in each of his last two. Uh, Pro Football Focus is not showing a shadow-covered situation from James Bradbury. I'm telling you right now, from what I've seen from him, I probably would. Because Deshaun Jackson in the games he's played this season hasn't looked himself, doesn't seem to have the same speed. Fogum, no joke, with Miles Sanders out with, or even if Ertz was playing, Fogum, Fogum is the most dangerous weapon in the Eagles offense, and he's the guy that I would want to stop most. I think you're right. I, I don't think there's any question at this point that he's going to be the alpha in the offense. They pulled so many targets from other positions. Deshaun Jackson saw relatively good target volume, but I still don't think it's going to rival what we see from Fulgham. And I think he's certainly warranted in the captain slot, given who else, like who else are they going to throw the ball to? It's not Greg Ward. Finally, finally, I've been preaching for this for two years now with Philly. Greg Ward's targets have finally started to drop. Goes from 11 to seven to five to three. This is where Greg Ward should be. He is not a starting receiver in the NFL. I wish they would just pull him off the field and put like Fulgham in the slot, Deshaun Jackson in the slot, even John Hightower in the slot, get Greg Ward off the field, but he's going to keep playing. I think. He made one really great catch last week and that was about it. Um, But we expect Fulgham to start opposite Deshaun Jackson, Matt. So that's, that's, that's at least what, what you'd expect to see now. We'll get to the tight ends in a moment, but there's so much to break down with the injuries to the Eagles. What are your thoughts on playing? And obviously anyone's in play, right? When it comes to a showdown slate, but is there any, is there any narrative you see playing out here with, with Deshaun Jackson, with Fogum, with Greg Ward? Obviously you just said you're not a big fan of Greg Ward uh, and want to get him off the field. Hightower. uh, I can't imagine that Hightower's, going to see a a whole lot of usage in this game with Deshaun Jackson coming back, especially after missing what would have been an easy, you know, deep touchdown on the opening drive of last week. Where are you going here? Is there, is there anyone you really like for the Eagles passing game at wide receiver? Yeah. Outside of Fulgham, it's going to be Deshaun Jackson. I think Deshaun Jackson is just the one for one replacement for Hightower. And I know I wish Hightower would stay on the field, but Deshaun Jackson is basically like a one-for-one clone of this guy. Hightower is 6'2", 190, and he's a burner. That's exactly what Deshaun Jackson is. Whereas, like, Greg Ward, he's not good, but his skill set's not redundant. So I think he'll be on the field despite what I think of Greg Ward's talents. So that should theoretically put Greg Ward in play as a semi-decent play. I mean, if you cap the enemy, he's just 7,200, the cheapest of the main three receivers we expect to see work. For that reason, I think he'll be a little bit contrarian, afford you some salary somewhere else, and he could make some sense there. But if I had to pick one of the one or the other between Ward and Deshaun Jackson, I'll still take the volume with Deshaun Jackson. In his two healthy games, he had target counts of seven and nine. And I mean, I think Fulgham's clearly the wide receiver one. After that, I'll try to go with Jackson, take a stab on him over Greg Ward. All right, answer this question for me. By the way, guys, if you're just jumping in, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, I think we're up to like 59% now of viewers. Uh, our subscribers. It was 58% the other day. So everyone doing a fantastic job. We appreciate you for it. Hit that thumbs up, but subscribe if you haven't done so. 
uh, you know, it helps us out. It helps you out. You can always know when we've got new content rolling. It'll show up in your recommended feed. So you're not getting all of this other nonsensical garbage that you never want to watch. I had stuff popping up in my recommended feed from nine years ago the other day. Like, you know, a bear comes into somebody's yard and eats trash. I watched it, obviously. But, and, and, and you know, you get sucked down those rabbit holes, Matt. And by the time you know it, your recommended feed is muddled with nothing that you ever intended of watching. But subscribe and, uh, you know, get it populated with at least something that can hopefully help you and, and be entertaining. So hit that notification bell as well if you want to know when new content's dropping. Tell me if you agree with this. Assuming James Bradbury doesn't shadow anyone. Personally, I think he should. I think he should. Uh, Travis Fogel. That would make the most sense. But assuming he does, and I'll go with pro football focus right now, doesn't that make all of the pass catchers, Fogum, uh, Fogum, Deshaun Jackson, even to some extent, potentially Ward. Actually, who would be who would be the slot guy here? Would it be it would be would it be Ward? Yeah, it'd have to be Ward. He's run ninety one percent of his snaps out of the slot. Uh, assuming that's the case, and he doesn't shadow, doesn't that make the whole passing offense? a lot more appealing because Ryan Lewis and Darnay Holmes have been terrible. Bradbury's really been the only guy that's shown a ton of promise. Uh, and he's the only really good corner in this defense. Yeah, I think so. You can just start scheming people away from James Bradbury's coverage. I hope Jason Garrett is smart enough to do that with Deshaun Jackson and Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson and Travis Fulgham. Sorry about that. I would literally just run Greg Ward right into, right into James Bradbury, assuming he doesn't move. Okay. Uh, Marcus Terry again with the super chat. Thanks brother. What if I fade all Eagles wide receivers and just play both tight ends? No, d don't do that. Who's the second tight end? Uh, Kroom. Yeah. Jason Kroom and Richard Rogers. J don't. I, I, I don't have an issue with, with rostering one of those tight ends, uh, especially given that Wentz will give them, some semblance of attention in the red zone, just as a big bodied threat once they get, you know, to like goal and go situations. But I have no interest in throwing both of them out there, Matt. Maybe it'd be different if, if there was no Fogum and Deshaun Jackson wasn't back and your only options were like Greg Ward and Hightower. But even in that instance, I still would not want to do that at all. Didn't Kroom only play one snap? Yeah, and I think he caught a two point conversion. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, we do we know that they're going to run 12 personnel at the rate they had been? Oh, actually, he caught a touchdown. Yeah, so uh, he played one snap, ran one route, one catch, one touchdown. <laughs> one snap, and he caught a touchdown on it. Pretty nice. Good efficiency there. Yeah, why not? Do you – I? sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say we've seen Philadelphia mold their player personnel to their current – active players often they've done this in the past when they've had wide receiver injuries they've increased their frequency with 12 personnel in this case they're losing Zach Ertz and they're getting back to Sean Jackson so I almost think they will employ more 11 personnel three wide receiver sets and keep Jason Kroom off the field I mean he'll play some he'll play more than one snap this week but I don't think we're going to see the full 12 personnel package that we've seen in the past couple weeks and that's I think a very important point Matt that they run so much 12 personnel when they have tight ends worthy of doing it. This would not be a team that runs a lot of 12 personnel if they didn't have, you know, quality tight ends. At, at this point, I don't know. Do you want to keep them in the block? <sighs> Maybe, but I, I'm with you. I, I think Kroon would be 
uh, the wrong direction to take on this. If you want it, the Richard Rogers, I, I don't have the biggest issue with, right? Like I can, I can understand why you'd want to get to somebody like Richard Rogers, uh, just because Carson Wentz has at least looked his way in some, on some occasions this season. You've got both Goddard and Zachert sideline, and Rogers played sixty percent of snaps last week. Uh, a lot of them blocking, but still uh, over Kroom, that would definitely be the play. I get why you would ask though, because he is he. Uh, Kroom is what two hundred dollars in days. The stone man. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge difference. Someone asked about Jalen Hurts, and I'm glad he did because we need to talk about him. He only played seven snaps last week, but as a matter of fact, after six consecutive six and outs by the Eagles, sorry, one was a fumble. After six drives that ended in a three and out or a fumble, which they didn't get a first down on that one either. Jalen Hurts came in and and took three of the first five snaps of that drive. And then Carson Wentz started to get going. Um, is, I, I would say, and this is my ultimate take on it, Jalen Hurts would be a whole lot more appealing if the sites weren't, if, if DraftKings wasn't doing what they always do and pricing those backup quarterbacks in that like $6,000 range. Uh, it, it's very pricey for someone that might make a big play or two. But it, it's really tough to see myself getting there. Like, he played a season-high seven snaps last week. Taysom Hill is usually cheaper than that. And if he was at, like, a Taysom Hill-type price, maybe we could have that discussion. But I think it's going to be pretty difficult to get there at, the, at his salary. Yeah, you're on it, absolutely. He's not even playing the same role Taysom Hill is playing, and he's ex- more, more expensive in this situation. What are you doing? And I want to come back to this. What are you doing with the running back position? We actually, so Miles Sanders missed week one. We have a small sample of a potential rotation we could see between Boston Scott and Corey Clement. Boston Scott handled nine rushing attempts in the game, played on 53% of Philly's run snaps. He was banged up for a series in there, but he still came back in that game, handled the majority of the work. It was maybe a 60-40 split between them. Corey Clement, conversely, he had six attempts, played on 41% of Philly's rushing snaps. Maybe you could see this skew 70-30, but I think it's going to be a timeshare to some degree. Okay. Jason Huntley should also be active. Two snaps last week. One snap, and I believe one carry for a yard in week one with Miles Sanders out. Uh, I can't say I'm, I'm particularly interested there either. Carson Wentz, though, is... Carson Wentz, to me, definitely has got to be the guy that at 16, 16, two in the captain spot, which isn't even that egregious, especially given uh, the discounts you're going to be getting on so many of these other guys. Now you want to try and be different in some places, but uh, I, I still, I still think that I still think that Carson Wentz is your, the, the best place to go here today uh, at captain and all of the, all of the derogatory things I've said about him still stand. But I really, I really do like him today. And I think you've seen some pretty significant progression over the last two weeks. Even if you didn't, he's still a, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And while his weapons are depleted, Fulgham and Jackson should be enough for him to move the ball against this Giants defense. So 
Uh, my favorite captain spot play today will actually be Carson Wentz. Outside of that, it'll be Fogum or Deshaun Jackson just because he's capable of ripping off a long touchdown or two, and that's really all you need. Just like we saw with Christian Kirk the other day, Matt. Three targets, two receptions, and an 80-yard touchdown and another short six-yard touchdown uh, at the six. So uh, those are my guys. Who are your favorite captain plays today? I like a lot of the Philly pass catchers. It's basically for the same reason you mentioned with Carson Wentz. I don't think he's being properly valued, especially given the personnel he's been playing with to start the year. Now he gets back to Sean Jackson. I expect a good game from him. I'm just going to bank on one of these guys having the big game outscoring Wentz in the captain slot and then just conversely putting Wentz into one of the utility spots. But for me, it's going to be either Fogum or Deshaun Jackson. Perfectly fine with that as well. Uh, we're also – oh. For $3.95 a week, guys, by the way, all of our showdown projections, our ownership projections, um, our, our showdown top plays, the rankings, all of that stuff is available in our express packets for $3.95 a week. You get all of the showdown content. And it's not just a showdown package. We have other stuff like main slate stuff, actual uh, in, stuff included in all of that. So this is just on top of what was originally in the express package. We decided to beef it up a little bit. So for basically an expensive cup of coffee, it's a very cheap subscription, but an expensive cup of coffee, I think. I don't, I don't buy coffee. Actually, this was like, this was like three. It's terrible, by the way. They didn't have vanilla. It's absolutely awful. Uh, that was like $3.50. So for that, you get all of our showdown content for the week. Check it out. I think you'll like it. And if you don't, well, you pay less than $4, which you would have spent somewhere else anyway. If you want to check out all of our other stuff, Alex Baker, Awesomeo himself, he built these projections. He built the ownership. He built the top stack tool. Uh, he built the lineup builder, all of this stuff. He's the number one ranked DFS player in the world for a reason. These are the real tools that he uses each and every day for football, for basketball, baseball, PGA, NASCAR, hockey, UFC, all of that on the site, the same ones that you'll use if you sign up and you become a subscriber. If you go to awesomeo.com slash join, check that out today. If you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. While you're at it, follow Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski and awesomeo.com at awesomeo underscore com. Last thing, if you're sick and tired of not having any more midday sports, Use the promo code Champions League, all one word. It'll get you all of our soccer projections for $2 a week. For $2 a week, you'll have Champions League soccer, something to keep you occupied on days where we have no football and we have no midday sports. Champions League, all one word. All right, Matt, what do you say we wrap this one up? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's wrap it up with this. What Are you willing to play both defenses in the same lineup? I think you can. I think you, if you're going to take a strategy like this, you have to think it's a low-scoring game overall. So where are you going to get leverage with your low-scoring lineup? Do you want to maybe stack one side against it? I would say probably not. This is a situation where you have to tell yourself a story, and I think you do need defensive scores. My preferred play would be the Eagles because of the pressure metrics we've decided already are going to be a factor in this game, at least what, what we think so far. It's the number three pro football focused pass rush against the worst pass blocking unit in the NFL. I would say it's very contrarian. There's not a strong likelihood you win, but you'll certainly be unique. And in the event, it's a very low scoring game. I think your lineup is going to have a shot. Okay. 
I'm attacking the passing games here. I agree with you that that both defenses are viable. We discussed it earlier in the show. But I think the real weaknesses are gonna are are gonna be pretty exposed here. And the Eagles offensive line, the run blocking could be in trouble. Wentz could get in trouble from a pass blocking standpoint. I don't know. It, it could be an issue uh, in the event that that he needs to drop back and and actually and actually make passes that that go more than five yards downfield, right? Um, but the good thing is that Lane Johnson's expected to play. That's a huge, huge boon to Carson Wentz's success. They've lost like almost every game Lane Johnson's missed in his career. So I think that helps them a lot in pass protection, a lot. And that's why the Eagles passing game is the one I'm looking to target. Uh, I do worry that you might get a situation where Bradbury is shadowing Fogel. I know it sounds crazy, but I wouldn't be shocked if they make some adjustments early in the game in the event that he's just eating them alive. I still like him, still like Jackson in his return. He might only stay healthy for a quarter, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I still like Wentz. Uh, and then on the other side of that, I don't think Devontae Freeman's going to get much going at all. So that's just naturally going to funnel me towards the passing game for the New York Giants, whether I like them or not. I don't like them very much. I think my ideal build, and you know, if you're playing 150 lineups, you're not just building a couple. You're, you're covering all your bases, Matt. My ideal build would be like Wentz in the captain with a couple Eagles receivers or an Eagles receiver and another one in the utility and then Wentz in the utility and then run it back with a Giants pass catcher or two without Daniel Jones. I do feel like I'll probably have more Wentz as the only quarterback in lineups than both quarterbacks in the lineups today. I agree with you. I typically prefer that build overall. I think you just get a little more correlation and in typical slates, it saves you a lot on salary. In the case of this particular salary, we're not really seeing Jones or Wentz come in with exorbitant salaries. So maybe if you're playing, I don't know, cash games in the showdown slate, you probably do want to jam in both QBs as far as, Picking between the quarterbacks, I do think Wentz has the higher upside. I think Jones is going to have to give you like a ridiculous outlier game on the ground to outscore Wentz. Right, exactly. And if that's the case, I'll I'll eat that fine. Wentz ownership in the captain's by 21% right now. That's higher than anyone else. Daniel Jones is right behind him at 16%. And then Boston Scott, that's where the ownership's coming in at pretty heavy. I'm not totally opposed to getting away from that if he's going to be super chalk on this slate. maybe not super chalk but for a showdown slate but he's going to be very popular there's many ways to do it be sure to check out the ownership projections uh before you get into building these lineups if you're a sub they make a big difference and they'll really help you figure out where the rest of the field is going and if you want to check out some free content well do i got something special for you awesomeo's top showdown in single game plays for DraftKings and fandle and the nfl lineup builder are free today at awesomeo.com. That single game plays tool is awesome. Check that out. It's entirely free under the NFL dropdown. PGA Top Golfers tool uh, is available too. Uh, and then the MMA Fighter projections, all of that free today, Thursday the 22nd. Appreciate you guys watching as always. I'll be back in about 10 minutes with Matt Savoca. It's the marathon, baby, breaking down all 11 games for this week seven NFL slate. We're going to go the distance. It's going to be good. It's going to help you pretty much with everything you need to know for this upcoming slate. And then, Matt, you got something coming up today as well on the channel. Yeah, me and at Kyle tweets here. Kyle Dvorak breaking down FanDuel. That is at 2 p.m. Eastern time. 
Appreciate you guys. Hit that thumbs up before you go. And if you're not subscribed, make sure to do it. We'll see you back here next time on the NFL Strategy Show. Good luck tonight.